from the Brainswell Media Studios, welcome to Ad Sales Nation with your host, Ryan Dorn. Each month, Ryan digs deep on the issues and challenges facing media salespeople like you every day. Ryan is a 28-year media veteran, an Emmy winner, a sales coach, and he still sells media every day just like you. Now, your host, your coach, your fellow media sales warrior, Ryan Dorn. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Ad Sales Nation. If you sell media just like me every day, you're a member. You're part of the family. Do you need a hug? Come on in here and get a little hug from your family members, right? (laughs) Every month we get together, we talk about ad sales issues facing those of us in the media business, TV, radio, digital, web, magazines, newspapers, you name it. We talk about it right here on the Ad Sales Nation podcast. My name is Ryan Dorn. Thrilled to be your guide, your host, as we talk about all kinds of fun uh, things uh, today, uh, this month on the podcast. So what's coming up on the show? We've got our friend Charity Huff, ad sales technology guru from January Spring Digital Agency out of Denver. We're going to be talking about Facebook uh, privacy issues um, that are in the news right now, how to sell Facebook a little bit more effectively and things like that. Of course, we're also going to be talking about hosting killer sales calls with your clients. What can you do to close more business faster? And of course, my favorite part of the show, listener questions. Derek from Des Moines, we've got your question. Lori uh, from Down Under, Sydney, Australia, we've got your question. Renee from Miami, another Florida person here. We've got um, your uh, question coming up uh, as well. Before we get started with the show, though, thank you so much to these three fine sponsors. I would be a terrible sales trainer and sales coach if I couldn't sell my own podcast, right? So if you want to offer social media management or digital display or search or reputation management to your advertisers, you don't need to add a staff of people. You just need to outsource it to January Spring. JanuarySpring.com is the website. Charity will be up here in just a couple minutes, and we'll talk with Charity about what they do as well. Also, special thanks and a special shout-out to Open Look Business Solutions. Open Look offers media companies just like all of you outsourcing solutions to reduce expense in data collection, audits, sales, design, ad layout, you name it. Check them out online, open-look.com. Last but definitely not least, the official CRM, Customer Relationship Management Tool of Brainswell Media and the Ad Sales Nation podcast is the magazine manager and the newspaper manager. These publishing CRMs, uh, this one offers billing, sales, production, marketing, all in one integrated package. Learn more online at magazinemanager.com or the newspapermanager.com. All right, friends, so we've got a lot to cover in uh, this month's podcast. Thanks for being here. We're going to be talking uh, in detail about hosting killer sales calls, those sales calls that close business. Now, if you're like me, you're probably recognizing that, man, we are selling in a crazy environment, an environment like none other that we've ever sold before. So what do we do to close more business faster? I'm here telling you guys, we're going to need to do something different. We're going to need to rethink our playbook, and I think I've got an answer for you. Now, this little conversation that we're going to have could take all day because sales calls are unique. Each one is different. But what we've got to think about is what can we do to move the conversation forward faster. And the way that we do that is by having a playbook. We have a roadmap that we can follow. And when we have that roadmap to follow, every sales call doesn't have to be unique. See, a lot of salespeople will say to me, well, you know, Ryan, I like what you're saying. I believe what you're preaching, but every sales call is different. Well, every sales call is different because you might let it be different. 
I don't believe that every sales call is different. There might be some, you know, idiosyncrasies here and there, but every football game in the NFL is a little bit different. Every college basketball team, uh, we're just finishing up with March Madness. Every college basketball team handles each game just a little bit differently, but they run plays. They work the court in rehearsed ways. If you want to be great, you need to understand what I preach all the time, and that is amateurs wing it, professionals practice. Now, I didn't say role play, did I? (laughs) Because nobody likes role playing, even though it's so unbelievably important to what we do. It's all about practice. So let me share five steps with you that I deploy on every single sales call. Okay, five things that I do in this order on every single sales call. Step number one of five, I'm building trust really, really fast. There's been hundreds of books written about building rapport with client that clients. My concern is that building rapport is often seen as baloney. It's often seen as something that's just light and fluffy and doesn't have much substance. Most people in today's environment, friends, they don't have time for that. So we want to build serious trust fast. So how do I do that? I research in advance. I'm saying things like, I saw on your Facebook page that you're doing that. Let's talk about that. I saw on your website that you're doing this. Let's talk about that. I saw in the news that your company was mentioned. Let's talk about that. And what I do in step one that nobody else does is step one is where I begin to ask my critical questions. I weave those questions into my introductory conversation. Now, you could walk into a client meeting and you could look around the room and you could see a fish on the wall and you could say, oh, are you into fishing? You could walk into a client's office and see a set of golf clubs sitting there and you could say, oh, are you into golf? Or what you could do if you're on the phone is you could look up things on LinkedIn. You could say, oh, I see on LinkedIn that you went to Boston University. How'd you like it? I mean, you can do those type of things, but I don't feel that they're genuine. Genuine fact-finding and building trust quickly is based upon relevancy, being highly relevant. I saw on your Facebook page you're promoting this. I saw on your website you're doing this. Let's talk about that. I saw that you're doing this. Tell me about how your customers are responding to that. By the way, your customers, what does one new customer mean to you? I weave my questions into this first step. It doesn't have to be build rapport, then move on to the meeting. It can be build rapport fast and ask your critical questions as a part of that first step. Don't be afraid, friends. Don't be afraid to insert your critical questioning, your probing questions, as my friend Nancy O'Brien likes to call them, probing questions. I love that. Put those questions into that first step, step one of five, building trust fast and weaving your critical questions into that step. Step number two of five, sharing success stories. Step number two of five, sharing success stories. What do I mean by that? Well, it's very easy for me to control your mind. It's easy for me to control an advertiser's mind. Let me prove it to you. Are you ready? I'm going to hypnotize you now. If you're driving, be careful. No, I'm kidding. It's, here's how it goes. If I tell you something right now, you will remember this. I will see you 10 years from now and you will remember it. I promise. Red. Whatever you do, don't think of the color red. Think of any other color, just not the color red. Think of black, think of purple, think of blue. Just don't think of the color red. Well, because I've suggested this to you, 10 years from now when I say, hey, do you remember on the podcast or do you remember when we talked about the color? There was a color I mentioned to you. Do you remember what the color was? Unless you're playing games with me, you're going to say, yeah, Ryan, I remember it was red. 
Why do you remember it? Because I suggested it to you in such a way that you would remember it. Step number two of five is sharing success stories. What I mean by that is saying to your advertiser, are you familiar with so-and-so? Yes. Would you be surprised to know that they've been running with us for seven years and they love us? Are you familiar with so-and-so? I am. Every time they run an ad with us, they say it's the most effective thing that they do. Are you familiar with so-and-so? I'm not familiar with them. Yes, they don't advertise with us. And I think that's an important thing to say. Share a couple of success stories, throw a name out there that they don't even know and say, exactly, they don't advertise with us. They don't market with us. Step number two is all about sharing success stories. But let's pause for a second. Let's be careful because there's wrong success stories to share as well. A wrong success story would be so-and-so, are you familiar with so-and-so? They say yes. The advertiser says yes. Every time they run an ad, they sell 50 cars. Every time they run an ad, they sell nine x-ray machines. Those type of success stories set you up potentially to get bitten in the backside later on. My best success stories are based on clients and those that have run with us for a long time. Longevity. They've been at our event for 12 consecutive years. They've run with us for the last five years. Those are the type of success stories. I want to suggest that to the client's mind, just like I suggested the color red to you, because I want them to remember those success stories. Because while we can't promise them that they're going to be successful, what we can do is we can share how they might potentially be successful, like others that are already running within our pages or running on our airwaves, and they have yet to cancel, and they're going to keep coming back for more. That, my friends, is a great way to get people excited. Success stories, step two. Step three of five, determining market presence. Step number three of five, determining market presence. What that means is I'm simply going to ask an advertiser at some point during the sales call, probably right about now, Mr. or Mrs. Advertiser. When you think about competing in this community, in this industry, in this market, do you want to have a presence or do you want to be competitive or do you want to dominate? Mr. or Mrs. Advertiser, when you think about competing in this community or advertising to this industry, whatever your circumstances, do you want to have a presence? Do you want to be competitive? Or do you want to dominate? And the reason I ask this as step number three is because I don't ask what people's budget is anymore. I just don't. The reason I don't ask what their budget is is because quite honestly, either A, they don't know, Number two, B, they're going to lie to you, or C, they're going to give you some unrealistic number. Asking somebody what their budget is means that you have to match your media options to what they think they need to spend in the market to be present, competitive, or dominant. Now, when this first little piece of three, this three-tiered ask was presented to me by Amy Scott in Springfield, Missouri at 417 Media there. I thought it was awesome because it guided the conversation to a question that I really needed answered, which was budget, but it didn't require them to give me a number because the number they usually give was baloney. Instead, I want to find out, do you want to have a presence? If you do, this is what it's going to cost. Do you want to be competitive? Great. This is what it's going to cost. Do you want to dominate? Awesome. This is what it's going to cost. And so when I took this three-tiered approach, because those of you that know me know I'm really big on the power behind the number three. There's three options, present, competitive, and dominant. 
I talk them through other advertisers that fall within those three buckets. I talk with them about the pricing of those three plans. And then I guide the conversation to where they want to be. And it's important. This question is important. And it's important at this stage of the sales call because now we're not focusing on what they think they need to spend. We're focusing on what they actually do need to spend. And that's very important difference between the way that we used to do it. We used to ask for the budget. Then we would create a proposal to meet that budget. Now, I want a point and a conversation of real. I want to get real with the client. And get real in the sales business is figuring out what they need to do. It's not about what they want to do. It's about what they need to do if they want to be present, competitive, or dominant. All right, hosting killer sales calls. Step four of five. Getting ready to present ideas right on the spot. It used to be you'd go on a sales call, you'd do this discovery meeting, you'd find out their needs, their goals, their desires, you would leave the meeting to create a proposal to then chase the client down to present your ideas. The problem is the world is operating now faster and more furious than ever before. So quite honestly, we don't have time for that. Advertisers don't have time for it. We don't have time to sit back and present all these things. So what I want to suggest to you is this. Could you go on a sales call with a proposal ready to go? Would you have the guts to be wrong? You might be wrong. But what I find is this. I look at an advertiser, and of course there's exceptions to the rule. I look at the majority of advertisers, and I figure out what category are they in. Then, what do others that are present, competitive, or dominant in that category, what do those people do? Then I go to the meeting prepared with a proposal, present, competitive, and dominant ideas and pricing that will give them a little edge up on their competition, a little leg up on their competition. I go to the meetings now with proposals ready to go. Now, I'm not being disingenuous. I'm not slighting the client. I'm just trying to speed the process up. I'm trying to show up with ideas ready to go. I'm presenting ideas on the spot based upon what others in that category are actually doing. What I find is that no matter how creative the advertiser wants to be, quite honestly, what they end up buying in almost all cases is what other people are doing in that exact same category. Now, sometimes you've got clients that want to do something that's different, that's unique, that's really over the top or whatever. Quite honestly, I don't find that to be the case. What I find, what I find is that most of the time, most folks, quite honestly, just follow the, follow the flock, birds of a feather flock together. All right, hosting killer killer sales call, step five. This is where I'm going to use my closing techniques. And we talked about that uh, on our last podcast, closing techniques of media sales superstars. So there's about seven or eight different closes that people use, but I'm going to share with you the one that I use most often. It's called the match game close. Now, the match game close is very straightforward. You say to the client, to the advertiser, you said you needed new customers. I have 13,500 potential customers with income high enough to buy your product. You said you tried this before and you got no return on investment advertising with us. I shared with you three examples of business owners like you that are really, really happy with us and they renew month after month. You said you only do social media. I showed you how our social media, what we can do for you is more targeted and actually more affordable. I think we're a perfect match. Don't you agree? If they say yes, great, let's get rolling together. If they say no, tell me why, because I really feel like we could have a great marketing partnership together. 
See, what I do is I've got a close that I've practiced, I've used. It's called the match game close. I match their needs and I match them to the solutions that I can provide. And then if they say to me, I need to think about it, I need to talk to my partner, my astrologer, whatever, what I say is, okay, great. And then I control the follow-up. When would you like to meet? Thursday at 3? I set that on my phone. I create email reminders. I put it on our calendar. I plan for them to not show up by asking them this question. Okay, so we agree we're going to follow up Thursday at 4. If for some reason you can't make it, or for some reason we don't are not able to connect, is it okay if I text you and I get their permission to text them? You know, friends, it's important as you think about these five steps, it's really, really important to understand that as you think about these and walk through them, what can you do to be crazy successful? Number one, that is building trust through knowledge of them you've learned online and build that trust really, really fast. Include in that step one, your questions, your critical questions, your probing questions that you want to ask. Step number two is all about sharing success stories. Step number three, do you want to be present, competitive, or dominant? Step number four, present your ideas on the spot. Have some guts, go there with ideas ready to go. And step five, close that meeting strong. Practice your closing techniques. Control the follow-up. All these things, friends, we've talked about in other podcasts, but I thought it'd be good for us to put them all together as to one little playbook. Five steps, we could call it. Maybe that's a new book. Five steps to closing more business right now and doing it very, very fast. All right, friends, up next, we've got Charity Huff, and we're going to talk with her about Facebook and Facebook's changes. And, of course, we've got your listener questions that are just right uh, around the corner. So, you know, Facebook is all in the news. We know it. We've seen it. It's bigger than life. Mark Zuckerberg, the gray hoodie, um, he's just showing up all over the news media, and I'm sure uh, that he's growing really, really uh, tired of that. Charity what Charity Huff is here uh, from January Spring, digital agency out of Denver, sponsor of the Ad Sales Nation podcast. Charity, you've been in the business 20 years of digital advertising technology. So is uh, Mark Zuckerberg happy about this? When is when is this going to end? Is Facebook going to be in the news for years or what? <laughs> yeah, he's not happy that we're seeing him every day on the news at all. You know, and despite all that and the gossip um, and the genuine concern over privacy, the thing is, is that Facebook and Instagram are really where customers are, right? right? So your advertisers need to have a social media strategy and you probably need to address some of these privacy concerns with them, but you first have to have the conversation around what are they doing in social media? Because they need to be there. You know, Pew just came out with um, their latest research and shared that 88% of 18 to 29 years year olds are on social media. Not surprising. Right. But 78% of us Gen Xers are also on social media. And 64% of 50 to 64 year olds are on social media. So to me, it makes social media even more compelling because you have the ability to cross promote and hit people with multiple messages throughout the day, wherever they are on the app, on the desktop, and really take advantage of building a cross um, platform, cross multimedia strategy for your advertiser. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I teach it all the time. Advertisers need to be advertising in multiple ways on yep. multiple days. And I mean, and marketing, as you and I both agree, we've talked about it a lot. Marketing is not a one and done proposition. It's just not. If it was so easy to only do social, 
that's what Red Bull would do. That's what Coke would do. That's what McDonald's would do. They'd only do social. So it's one part of the giant puzzle. Now, what I'd love to ask you about, though, I believe this is what I'm teaching. If an advertiser says to me as a media salesperson, whether I'm selling TV, newspapers, whatever, we're only doing social media. My response is awesome because we can do Facebook as a media company. We can do Facebook better than Facebook does Facebook. And mm-hmm. what, I, what I mean by that is we can load our reader data, our listener data, our contest data up into the Facebook's ads manager to create these custom audiences so that we can create even better targeting than the advertiser could get through Facebook. Is Now, so let me ask you this. Do you agree with that? And, and how can these publishers and media companies really take advantage of it? Oh, most definitely. And, and not to mention that we're content people, right? That's what we do for right. a living. So we're going to build better content. And because we have um, more expertise in how social media works, we can do it better. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing is, is that uh, most um, companies don't take advantage of all of the things that you can do to target the right customers on uh, social media. And that's part of the conversation as a salesperson you should be having with your clients is give me your customer database. We can upload it in and we can help find those people for you on social media. Yeah, indeed. I mean, a lot of times I'll hear advertisers say, well, social media is so cheap. And I really believe social media is only cheaper if your time's worth nothing. Okay. And you're really, really good at it. Most advertisers, charity, most of these advertisers can't even run their own business much less know something about marketing. I mean, Ryan, the other day uh, I was prepping for an account with a salesperson that we work with and we went out to his client's Facebook page and it is nothing but reposted reviews from his website. He's got it like on this auto post that every 30 minutes a review is on there. It's like a 24 seven commercial that's doing him no good because first nobody's seeing it because he's not actually marketing it. And two, it's just loud and it doesn't actually represent his brand. Well, yeah, that's just, that's, that's crazy. I, 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 I laugh about it, but it actually is the truth. Most advertisers can barely run their own business much less understand marketing. Now, one of the things that I love about what uh, you and your company uh, does is that you offer the ability for a media company with no expansion of staff to yes. offer SEM services, SEO services, um, and you'll go out and, and train the salespeople. So can you talk about that just a little bit about um, you know the white label service offerings that you have so that all of the ad sales nation can get caught up on that? Yeah, so January spring just acts as a natural extension to your team. We sit in the back office, we do all the heavy lifting around managing the tech, managing the building of the ads, managing the media buying, optimizing it. And because we've been in media sales for 20 years, we can also sit and ride alongside reps and really make sure that everybody has a good, comfortable understanding of how to use these additional digital products as a natural extension of what you're already servicing your customer with. Perfect. That's great. All right, friends, the takeaways from our conversation uh, with Charity today. Number one, uh, Facebook's not going away. Okay, we know that. (laughs) And they're going to be in the news for quite some time. So we want to talk confidently with our advertisers uh, about those about those things. And they're making big strides, um, aren't they? In in terms of data protection, in the course of the last 48 hours, they've made tons of strides. Wouldn't you agree? 
I would agree. Yeah, they're going to get out in front of Washington, D.C. and make these changes before they're dictated to them. That's great. Second thing is, I believe as media companies, we can do Facebook better than Facebook can do Facebook by guiding your advertisers and helping them understand that we have custom audiences as media companies. And we can help them create custom audiences uh, based upon their customer lists, uh, you know, as well. Third thing, advertising is not a one and done proposition. So we do need social. Don't sell against social. Embrace it. Make it a part of your total sale and sell them a package of traditional media uh, and uh, and social media. So, all right. So, Charity, it's awesome. Thank you for being a sponsor of the podcast. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule. And uh, where can people find you online if they want to get a hold of the company? JanuarySpring.com. Gosh, it can't be easier than that. Also over on Facebook as well. So, all right, Charity, we'll see you and or Shannon next month as we have another advertising tech tip here uh, on the Ad Sales Nation podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Ryan. All right, friends, it's that time, my favorite time of the show. And that is listener questions. Keep your questions coming in. You can send them anytime that you want. Send them over to Ryan at RyanDorn.com. T-O-H-R-N. Ryan at RyanDorn.com. All right. Um, Derek from Des Moines asks, Ryan, when I get to the end of a sales call, I often get tongue-tied. I freeze up a bit. What can I do? Aha. Derek, you know why I picked this question out of the hundreds that were sent in because of the topic that we're talking about today. It is really uncommon for, I'm sorry, it is really common for salespeople to get a little tongue-tied as they get to the point of the conversation where you have to be talking about money. So one of the things that I like to do is by presenting ideas in the meeting and not leaving to present the ideas later is that we get the money issue talked about before the end of the sales call. So that's why one of the reasons I like to present ideas on the spot and before the end of the sales call. Also recognize, Derek, that you shouldn't be uncomfortable because everybody knows that salespeople should (laughs) eventually ask for the order. The reason that you probably freeze up is because you get tongue-tied based upon it not being something that's well rehearsed. One of the things I do most often with salespeople, like you, Derek, as I'm coaching, and I know John, one of my coaches here in the office, he does this too, we really believe in practicing. Um, Now, you don't necessarily have to role play with your boss. Practice by recording yourself on your iPhone. Look in the mirror and practice. Practice on your way to work. Practice on your way to meetings. Get your closes figured out. The match game close is one of those, for me, that's easy. The summary close also is easy. And and Derek, by the way, if you missed the previous podcast last month, go back and check it out. It's all about closing techniques of media sales superstars. So Derek, practice makes perfect. Find a close that you like. Present ideas a little bit further. In this uh, up in the sales call, a little bit earlier, rather, I said further, a little bit earlier in the sales call. I think you'll find that getting the money talked about earlier will help you not be so tongue tied uh, at the end. So, all right, Derek from Des Moines, thanks so much for your question. Appreciate it. All right, it's been a couple years since I've been to Australia. Love all the Aussies and the great media companies uh, in Australia. Lori from Sydney asks, Ryan, I'm having trouble finding clients for my top 20 prospect list. Any advice? Having trouble finding clients for your top 20 prospect list. Any advice? Yeah, I do have some advice for you. What I typically do is I'll go to a competing magazine, newspaper, listen to the radio, TV, whatever. And what I do is I listen for people that are active. Now, you might say, well, Ryan, that's obvious. I already do that. I listen for people that are actively advertising 
not to call on them. Those are not the people I call on. They've already been asked to the dance. So unless they're a floozy, they're not going to say yes to two people and go to the dance with two people. They're going to go with one person. So they've already spent their money. So asking them to advertise probably doesn't make a lot of sense at that moment. So what I do, Lori, is I will write their names down. Let's say there's five of them. And then next to their name, I will go and research and find out three to four of their competitors. Then what I'll do is I'll call three or four of their competitors and I will use the fact that they are advertising and their competition is not to my advantage. So as an example, let me just give you an example. I'll use Ford, Chevrolet, and Dodge because they're just easy examples for people to understand. If I see that Ford is advertising, I'm not going to call on Ford because they've already been asked to the dance. They've already committed to somebody else. They've already spent their money in a lot of cases. I'm going to identify that Dodge and Chevrolet and Chrysler are three of their competitors. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to call on them. I'm going to call Mr. Dodge. I'm going to say, Mr. Dodge, you probably noticed that Mr. Ford is advertising real aggressively. I've got an idea to give him a run for his money. Could be chat. Then I'm going to call Mr. Chevrolet. Mr. Chevrolet or Mrs. Chevrolet. I noticed that Mr. Ford is advertising aggressively. Have you noticed that as well? I've got an idea to really give him a run for his money. I'd love to chat with you about it. I've got an idea to give you a competitive edge over Mr. Ford. Now, some of you are so lost in that example, you're already going to email me and say, well, Ryan, I don't have Ford and Chevrolet as clients. That's not the point. The point is, look through your competition, your media competition. Jot down the names of five or six people that are present already advertising and don't call on those people. Instead, call on those advertisers' competitors and use the fact that they're advertising to get the meeting. So again, the example would be if I notice that Acme is advertising very aggressively, I'm going to call Roadrunner. I'm going to say, hey, Roadrunner, I've noticed that Acme is advertising aggressively. Let's talk. And that's how I would build my prospect list, Lori. And I know the media market pretty well down there in, uh, in Sydney, uh, Melbourne, and Brisbane. I've visited them all, and it's a vibrant media market, so you've got a lot of opportunity that's out there. So good luck to you, Lori. Thanks for the question. All right, Renee from Miami, just right, uh, let's see, where are we? Yeah, south, just a little bit south of where we are here in Naples. Um, Ryan, I am burnt out on sales. Oh, Renee, I'm sorry to hear that. I simply do not want to give up on the income from sales. I understand. I love controlling my own income. Any ideas? Wow. Renee, first and foremost, uh, I'm really, really sorry that you're burnt out on sales. It, it's possible that you're not so much burnt out on sales as you might be burnt out on what you're selling. So there's a couple things to think about. Maybe within the media company where you operate, there's some different things that you could potentially focus yourself on that would allow you to maintain your happiness uh, for selling. Maybe you're just not happy with the products that you have. Because I noticed in your question, you say, I simply do not want to give up on the income from sales. I get it. It's one of the jobs where we can control our income. So what I might suggest to you is either A, try to sell a different type of product or B, maybe you're burning yourself out. Maybe you're forcing yourself into a burnt out state. One of the best things that I ever did is I downloaded an app on my iPhone called the Calm app, C-A-L-M, Calm app. What it did is it, um, in a very, very uh, simplistic way, it taught me how to meditate. It reminds me to meditate. I meditate six times a day for six minutes uh, at a time. 
what it did is it allowed me to reduce my blood pressure, allowed me to bring the temperature of my brain down, allowed me to create a much better focus for my day and things like that. So perhaps there's some things that you can do, Lori, that will cause you to bring a little more happiness to just your your life in general, which could bring more happiness to your sales life as well. Lori, something else that you might try if you're getting burnt out and doing the same thing over and over again, and that is don't blow up your sales call, but give yourself a new challenge. Today, we talked about hosting killer sales calls. Maybe try my format. Try something different. Try selling the same thing in a little bit different way, and that might allow you to re-engage you know, your brain in a little bit different way. You know, something else that you might consider, uh, Renee, depending on the business, the media business that you're in is maybe you want to go to a conference like the Niche Media Conference, the Niche Super Event that just happened in February in Louisville. Maybe you should go to one of the camp niches uh, that uh, I'm going to teach, that Nancy O'Brien is going to teach. Um, you know, we're going to be teaching new sales techniques in Dallas uh, in May, uh, in Los Angeles in May. We've got plans to be in Chicago and some other places. Maybe you need to go get a reboot. Go to one of those type of, of workshops. Meet other salespeople that are excited about the business and find that passion again. The other thing you might consider is this, because this is a problem for a lot of us. You burn out. Is recognize that not every day is a good day in sales land. I mean, some days we just don't have good sales days. Every day can't be a great day in sales land. And recognize that you are not you are not alone. But the one thing also you might consider finally as we start wrapping up the questions is maybe you need a, a coach. And I'm not uh, pitching my services. There's a lot of coaches out there that would be willing to, to chat with you about your dilemma. But a lot of times, uh, uh, you know, having somebody different to talk to can be really, really beneficial. And the reason it can be beneficial is because you get an outsider's perspective. You get somebody else's perspective on the current situation that you're involved in. And usually a good coach can guide you to, to where you want to go to help you find what it is that you're looking for. Derek, Lori, Renee, thank you so much for your questions. I sure appreciate it. Friends, keep your questions coming in. I know a lot of you have, have sent questions. We can't get to all of them. I'm sorry about that. But keep those questions coming in here at the Ad Sales Nation podcast. We love to answer your questions. Friends, that's it for March. Special thanks to a January spring. Thanks, Charity, for being here with us today. If you're looking to outsource your social media management, uh, be sure to check out JanuarySpring.com. Spelled just like it sounds. January, the month January, Spring.com. Another outsourcing company that will give you all kinds of help for anything, really, that you need in the publishing, media, radio, TV business. If you're looking to outsource uh, and save expenses on data collection, audits, sales, things like that, check out our friends at Open Look Business Solutions. Brad, Kevin, Mike, great guys. Open-look.com. Open-look.com. And don't forget the official CRM, Customer Relations Management Tool of Brainswell Media. And the Ad Sales Nation podcast is the magazine manager and the newspaper manager. Uh, these publishing, this publishing CRM offers sales, uh, billing, production, marketing, all in one integrated package. So thanks so much to the magazine manager and the newspaper manager for being a sponsor of the podcast. All right, coming up next, the, the podcast from last month, if you stick around, on closing techniques of media sales superstars. I'm Ryan Dorn. Love to come in and train your team. Reach out to me, ryan at ryandorn.com, D-O-H-R-N, ryan at ryandorn.com. You can also find us online, 360adsales.com, 360adsales.com. 
right, friends, let's end like we always do and just reminding you of this. If ad sales was easy, everybody would be doing it. And they're not, so we're either crazy, <laughs> which is possible, or we found a career that'll feed our families for a lifetime. All right, friends, God bless. We'll see you out on the streets. Thank <laughs> you.